Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There has been a lot of times in my past where my validation came from boys when I was younger. And I look back and I just want to give myself a hug and say, you did, you could have said no, and you could have stood up for yourself in so many different aspects instead of allowing it to go the way that it did. You don't really put yourself first. So that was something that was tough to navigate. Um, and you know, at that age, I did have an eating disorder. That was like around the time where I feel like a lot of girls discover anorexia and bulimia and all these things. And they were sort of romanticized in a a lot of ways at that time. I went to Cotillion and the boy said, I don't want to dance with the fat girl. And I remember it so vividly being like, I stomped out of it. It was at the sportsman's lodge in, in the studio city. And I stopped out of there and I looked at my mom and said, do not ever make me go back there again. I will never do it. Welcome back to Redefine You. I'm so excited to talk to our guest today. You may know her as Special Agent Fatima Namazi on NCIS LA. She also has two new shows on the horizon you can look her out for, a Netflix show called From Scratch and a Hulu show based on Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. In addition to being a talented actor, she's also a writer, producer, and a dear, dear friend of mine. Welcome, Medallion Rahimi. Hi, Hi. Hi, babe. Hi. It's just so good to finally see your face. I feel like I've been texting with you throughout this madness of this world, but not actually seeing your beautiful face. So it's so lovely to see you. It's so great to see you. You're literally, you look like the sun right now. It's just so great to feel your light, even through this. Digital look at you. <laughs> I, I mean, your hair is like, if anybody could watch and like, look at her right now, her hair is like, God, it's just amazing. So Thank you, yes, you did a little change. I love it. I love it. As we start every episode, I like to ask my guests, if you were to check in with yourself emotionally right here, right now, what would you find? You know, it's, I would say that I'm feeling a little anxious, definitely, you know, just because of the nature of this whole podcast and, you know, just being put on the spot in any sense can bring up nerves, but I'm also just feeling really grateful and so happy and, um, pretty content, you know, like Mm. everything is, is really great right now for me personally, even though the world is seemingly falling apart or is in chaos right now, but, um, personally I'm good at feeling grounded, which is so relieving. Well, first off, I just want to say, don't feel anxiousness about this podcast because (laughs) at the end of the day, it's just a conversation between two people. And for me, you know, for anybody who's listening, I've known you since I was like 14, 15 years old. Yes. And we've all been streets away from each other. That's what I I know. And (laughs) it's so funny. I was literally at Coral Tree like two days ago in Encino. And I was just like, I know. It's like my home. I like brought my my partner there. I'm like, if there's a salad in LA that I could ever eat 15 times again, it's this one. And he's like, you are just crazy. And I was like, no, I love it. (laughs) Um, 
I, but you know, I think that it, there's something to say about the people who are born and raised in LA, who then got into the industry and all that we sort of experienced before we did on our own merits and before we decided to kind of cope through creativity and also make it a profession. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of start there because we've never really spoken about, you know, your Iranian, you know, culture, how you were raised, how that might have been inflicted on your own sense of self growing up with society standards of beauty and so forth. Can we just start there? Because I think it, at that age, we didn't really talk about these types of things. So it's it's no, something we, that I really want to dive into. Absolutely. And it's funny because that's the age where I feel like our relationship with ourselves and our body is the most tumultuous because it's like, we feel so uncomfortable, you know, 13, 14 is when you start to emulate these standards of beauty that you saw, we saw in magazines, you know, like Mm -hmm. models were our go-to, which was, you know, just so unhealthy in so many ways, but um, that was sort of what it was growing up in LA. There is this stress on aesthetics and physical beauty and going to a private school here and being like one of maybe four Middle Eastern kids there, it was a little, you know, I only had my, I only had my American or European friends to compare myself to, which I now learned never compare yourself ever, but of course you don't know better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So and, you know, in, in our culture, it's it's more so the individual isn't so stressed or important as it is the whole, like the whole family or the whole people, you know, you, you don't really put yourself first. Um, so that was something that was tough to navigate. Um, and, you know, at that age, I did have an eating disorder. That was like around the time where I feel like a lot of girls we're starting to die, you know, like discover anorexia and bulimia and all these things. And they were sort of romanticized in a a lot of ways at that time, just, I just, Mm. I hope it's not like that anymore. You know, I have a 16 year old sister and I, I'm so proud of her because she seems like she is, she's like, I don't have to worry about her, you know? (laughs) Well, Hey, you know, and I say, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think what people don't realize or know, I think about is, you can say to me that you had an eating disorder. And the one word that obviously popped out to me is romanticizing about it or however you, you said that. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was this glamor to, I think a lot of our friends who did have eating disorders and how they discussed it. And I think back then when somebody did, you know, struggle with it, um, it obviously sparked us all to sort of think to ourselves, is that something that I should be going down? Is that the route that I need to be taking? You know, um, I think I've never struggled necessarily with a full-blown eating disorder, but I think that I've definitely had moments where I've thought about it and processed it and saw my friends doing it in LA and in a way and form of themselves coping with their stress and having to be there as a support system for them while they go through it, but also being in an age where you don't really know what the right way is to speak about it with each other or how to be able to be that person to say, this needs to stop or else I'm going to go to your family or I'm going to go to somebody to help you get there. Yes. Yeah. We didn't have the language then or the the tools to help each other. So 
it was like, we would talk about it, but then it would be like, oh yeah. Then like you said, we would reflect on ourselves and be like, do I need to feel that way? If they're feeling Mm -hmm. this way, then I need to take a look at myself, you know? And, and I was lucky enough where the eating disorder was self-manageable. I never had to get treatment or anything. It was just something I woke up one day and I was like, why am I doing this to myself? You know, thank God I had that aha moment, but, um, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of girls struggle with it for decades, you know, like still to this day, I'm sure some of those girls are still struggling with, um, with body dysmorphia and eating disorders. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I think it's just a, it's a hard topic to discuss in general, and it's a wonderful topic that you are feeling fearless enough to go there, because like you said, there are a lot of people who struggle with it currently and who have struggled with it and can connect with just that. Um, you know, going back into those times, do you think that that was sort of inflicted because it was kind of the the thing, the trend that was going on? Or do you think that it was inflicted because you didn't have this ownership of your own sense of self? I think it was more so the latter. Now that I look back on it, it was as a teenager, we have no control over our lives, you know? So doing, you know, controlling what you ate and how you exercise and doing all these things, that was the sense of control over yourself that you could find. Um, And so I think it really was trying to, yeah, like you said, take the reins on your own identity um, and ownership of your body. But again, just without the, the knowledge or, or the language to do so. Um, and it was a little bit trendy at the same time for some, some odd reason, but, um, that is something I don't, I don't understand the psychology behind, but maybe it's wanting to fit in and wanting to, I definitely always wanted to fit in, um, with all the like beautiful girls at my high school, like blonde and like, you know, just, just seemed so effortlessly confident. I was like, how are they so confident? Like, you know, Um, but really everybody was struggling. (laughs) No. And I think that's like, you know, this whole idea of our self-worth and our self-image and what we experienced and how we can now be both of us 29 years old and to now reflect back to what we experienced, you know, when do you think that shifted for you or during that period of time, you know, do you think that a lot of it had to do with the outside surroundings of just being in high school? Like, were you struggling and battling with your self-worth when it came to just day to day. Yes, absolutely. I I totally was because um my coping mechanism growing up was always just, you know, avoid confrontation at all costs. That's how I survived. So that took some time to break out of that and and to just, you know, base my my self-worth off of how I felt about myself as opposed to how other people viewed me or, or saw me. So that was something that definitely, it took some time, but luckily it happened quick enough in high school that, yeah, I didn't have to, 
I didn't have to hold on to the eating disorder anymore. I found other way. I found theater. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah, so you did. I found a way to express myself that, that felt empower, empowering. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause I had Alessandra on the show. And one of the things that I kept like thinking in my mind was our, our high school years. Obviously I went to a different high school than you, yeah. but we all grew up in the same community, all best friends. You know, we all had the same everything. Um, and Valley kids, Valley kids kids all the way. (laughs) And one of the things that I always remembered, and I said to her as well, is like you guys, the Campbell Hall girls, you in particular taught me how to put fake eyelashes on and how to get, you know, how to do my makeup at 14, 15. Like I was a superstar. Like it (laughs) was one of, it was one of a thing back then where when we got ready, we got ready. And I look at that being like, Oh my God, if I have a girl, 14, 15 years old doing what we did. I'm like going to put her and never have her go outside. Like, I mean, we lived, you know, we, we, we definitely lived and we thought we were adults who were living and exploring and that's okay. Like to look back and say that, cause look at where we are today. You know, we have life experiences, but I'm curious to find out from you, like, where did that come from? Was that sort of society standards of beauty feeling like you needed to look a specific way to always feel polished? Or was that just kind of having fun with glam and getting ready? I think it was, it was a little bit of both. You know, I would sometimes straighten my hair because I thought that was, you know, more polished, like you said. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I've always sort of I've loved glamour and makeup and I feel like it is a beautiful form of self-expression and again, a way to control how you're perceived by other people in a way. And if you feel good, then other people feel good. But, but that again was sort of this like group mentality of like, you know, are you going to wear heels on free dress Friday? You know, it's (laughs) like, if you're going to wear heels, I'll wear heels too. Yeah. (laughs) So there is a camaraderie aspect to it. And, um, but again, yeah, this is, it's interesting. This is some, this is some psychology, psychological, um, nuances that I would love to explore more about my past that I haven't really thought too deeply about. (laughs) It's kind of cool though, isn't it? To like go back and be like, why and how did all that happen? I mean, I think the whole glam thing is we were just having fun. We just enjoyed it. We had, you know, even though we may have come from different upbringings with the culture, we came from the same upbringing of, you know, surroundings and the group of people we were with. And I think we all just really, at a young age, developed early, probably too early, but in a way of wanting to just explore with that exploration though comes challenges. And I think one of the things that I was identifying when I was looking back today and thinking about, you know, our upbringing and such was, I think a lot of it came from my value of self-assurance with men and with boys and feeling as if I had to not look a certain way for them. Cause I enjoyed getting ready. I've always been a glam girl. You know, this yes, about me. I've always yes, been glammed up. That's just who I am. Like I enjoy it. And so do you, we just enjoy it. But I think there has been a lot of times in my past where my validation came from boys when I was younger. And I look back and I just want to give myself a hug and say, you did, you could have said no, and you could have stood up for yourself in so many different aspects instead of allowing it to go the way that it did. Um, but I didn't have that power and I didn't know that I had that power. 
And I'm wondering if you sort of felt that way as well as a teenage girl growing up in LA, if you had similar situations. Yeah, I always had a crush. We always had crushes. Mm. So it was Mm. like, will this, you know, get my crush's attention if I do this with my hair or this or that? And I remember one time, it was before high school, even before middle school, I think it was elementary school. The boy I liked, we had like assembly or whatever. And he like walks by in the row in front of me to sit down. And he was like, Oh, your legs are hairy. Mm. And I just remember being like, so mortified. Cause it was like the boy I had a crush on just told me that my legs are hairy. And I went home that day and I begged my mom to let me shave my legs. I was like maybe 11 or 10 years old. You know what I mean? But I mean, I shaved my me. arm. I shaved my arms before I shaved my legs because yes. my sister shaved her arms. I mean, and then my mom didn't want me to shave my legs yet, so she was like, "All right, you can shave your arms, so they don't think you're going to continue it." And this girl continued it. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, but like, I mean, like we are like hairless babies over here. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I think that that was also just an on-trend thing back in the day as well. Now it's shifted, oh, which is great, but. I mean, yeah, I know how that feels to have to to feel like a boy you like is categorizing you in a way that you don't feel comfortable with or, you know, that you have that power to feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. I felt that way. I mean, I went to Cotillion. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Cotillion, but I went to Cotillion. I wish. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> I went to I went to Cotillion and the boy said, I don't want to dance with the fat girl. And I remember it so vividly being like, I stomped out of it. It was at the sportsman's lodge in, in the studio city. And I stomped out of there and I looked at my mom and said, do not ever make me go back there again. I will never do it. But you know, kids can be mean. And you know, when you're growing into yourself, you don't understand why you look differently or feel differently you know, throughout that experience, do you feel like you experienced any sort of bullying growing up? Because I don't even think we've ever discussed that. Yes. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, most of the time people think of bullying being in middle school or like beginning of high school, but it happened my senior year. Um, I had a falling out with some girls that I was actually really good friends with, but, um, you know, they would always Mm. make these comments and single me out. I always felt sort of, sort of outside the group. I never really fully felt like I fit in. They'd always be like, they talk about my nose or my lips or like my hair, you know, just like your hair's so frizzy. It's so fun and frizzy. And I'm just like, thank you. (laughs) I don't know if that's supposed to be a compliment or not, but, um, you know, they would point out little things about me that were like different you know, and that, and, and at that age, when someone points those things out, it, it feels you want to fit in. I wanted to, I wanted to fit in so bad. So that was really difficult for me to deal with. And then at one point we all had a falling out because of boys per usual, whatever. And, um, and after that, it was just like, I didn't exist. (laughs) It was, it was tough. And it was the friend, the girls that I was friends with for years. And, you know, I've, we have let it go, forgiven each other. It's all in the past, but like, I didn't realize how much that had affected my self-worth in my adulthood. And then I had a similar sort of experience with another friend where it sort of felt toxic in that same way. Um, and that was like opening up the wound all over again. Um, and so it's just, you know, we don't realize how, 
how much other people, people who we care about, how much their words affect us. And especially at those formative years, like that's detrimental. That's like, it's so detrimental. It's, it's the difference between, you know, growing up more confident and, and growing up, you know, a lot more insecure. So, so that was, it was tough, but, um, and in middle school, I did experience some bullying because, again, you know, there wasn't that many minorities at the private school I went to. You know, poor me went to private school, but at the same time, it's like it's a certain demographic of people most of the time. So, so um, it's it's tough not to have any sort of cultural allies or anything like that. Tapping back into sort of relationships and how they obviously affect us growing into our adulthood and forming new relationships and also just like professional relationships. I think that wound can reopen. Like I even know for myself, if I don't feel, I can be really hard on myself if I'm not in a situation where I feel necessarily that everybody around me is giving me the validation that I need. And so then I can start to feel like actually I'm, I am the singled out person when it's not that case. And that obviously comes from inner child work that comes from family stuff. You know, that doesn't come from like anything that I experienced with other relationships, but it's integrated into sort of the areas in which means so much to me, you know, because of what happened with those girls in high school and kind of recognizing that sort of pattern within the new relationships that you had as an adult have you formed new boundaries have you understood what boundaries are for you yes that was most important was was even knowing that boundaries were possible because growing up in my family there were no boundaries like we everything is open for everybody which I think is beautiful but at the same Mm -hmm. time it's um it's exhausting and emotionally draining if you feel like you can't have a moment of of privacy or your space for yourself. So I do think that, um, boundaries have really helped in a, in adult friendships and, and not being afraid of confrontation and being honest with people. I'm such a, I was such a people pleaser and almost to the point where I was an enabler because I just wanted to make people happy, whatever it Mm. took. And that in friendships isn't, it's not, it's not right because you want to hold your friends accountable and they should hold you accountable and it should, should go both ways. So that was something I learned. It was also my, like you said, my own trauma that I had to, to deal with from, from communicating with my family in the only way that we knew how, you know, which, which wasn't always necessarily the best, but you know, that's, that's, you work with what you've got. <laughs> Do you think that's now translated into sort of your love relationships just out of pure curiosity? Because I think that, you know, the way that I grew up in the same way with my family, you know, everything was on the table, nothing was hidden. And you knew this, like our door was always open. You know, my friends knew what was going on in my family just as much as the next person, because that's just how we lived. And, um, you know, because of that, there is a sense of passion when you speak about something in my family. And I I did a Brit now, his name's Dominic, who you haven't met yet, but uh, he's not, he's not a passion talker. So sometimes (laughs) it can be very like aggressive. And I, and then, you know, two seconds later you love and you forget and you forgive. Mm -hmm. And that's just how we were raised. And I think that's sort of how you were too. Exactly. He's very different. So it's like, how do you explain that? You know, because how did you, how have you managed that in your relationships? Cause I need the advice still anyway. I know. Well, that's the thing is it's still something I'm working on. You know, even in my most recent relationship, he was such a good communicator and I 
didn't know how to articulate how I was feeling. So I would just shut off and mm-hmm. like need to, to, to be by myself. And so I would like just storm out, you know, I wouldn't even explain, just be like, I can't do this and leave. Cause I'd get so overwhelmed. Cause like you said, that's how, yeah, we just feel so impassioned and I'm so sensitive. So I'm like, I feel everything so much. And so if I, if I'm feeling criticized or, or anything like that, then I retreat. I'm a cancer as well. So perhaps, <laughs> you know, we retreat into our shell and that's something that, you know, that was what's so beautiful about that relationship is I really learned how to communicate with someone in a romantic relationship and be honest and be open about how I was feeling and how certain things made me feel as opposed to being passive aggressive, which is how I was raised to be, is just be sarcastic and passive aggressive. And, um, and that's, you know, and that's something that's been beautiful about learning about relationships and also just like not wanting to please so much. I wanted to please my partner so much all the time to the point where I felt like I was starting to be taken advantage of because I was mm. offering, 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 and they were just taking, 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 you know? So that's something of the boundaries. That's where the boundaries come into play. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get it. Cause I think the whole, the whole pleasing thing, it's just like when I said earlier, it's that whole validation with boys that I've recognized earlier. I mean, I did some crazy things, you know, ju- not to get boys attention, but I mean, I was manipulated in crazy ways, I would say in, in that form, you know, that little yes. girl inside me just wanted to be loved or just wanted to be said that I was the one or I was their apple to their eye or whatever you would call it. And so a lot of the older boys, they wanted to kind of, you know, manipulate my mind into thinking that I was and when I wasn't. And I look back and I'm like, oh, I just wish if I could see that person again, what I would do, like what I would do. And it then trailed into me having my own one relationship, which then left me single for six years, not even knowing that I think for those six years, I was just holding up a guard of like, I'm going to protect you at all costs, you know, and not even knowing that I needed to, or that I wanted to. So it's interesting when we look back at all these different things. And that's the reason why I'm bringing all this up. Cause it's so interesting when you can kind of identify how these things have inflicted. And what I keep hearing with you is the word relationship, the relationship with your family, the relationship with your friends, the relationship with your partner and how all of that stems into how does Madal stick up for herself in the, in the right way to communicate where the other person understands me and doesn't judge me for not understanding what I may be going through, mm-hmm. which yes, is just I mean, beautifully put. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. So let's tap into the nitty gritty a bit. I know the shows obviously can be fearful for people to jump in, to speak about anxiety or depression. I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression And I think back in the day, we didn't have the right vocabulary to say that, right? We had spurts of things going on, but we couldn't necessarily put a word to the face of it. Now that we can, it allows us to take the freedom and the power back to it. So with that, I want to ask you, you know, what does depression necessarily look and feel like for you since it feels and looks differently for each person? Yeah. So depression for me would probably look like, um, Honestly, it's, it would seem for me, it's mostly just rest. It's like, I am so like emotionally depleted that I, I, I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to talk to anyone. Um, I won't take care of myself the way I normally should because you feel like, what's the point? Um, and you know, in our culture, like 
mental health is is not really talked about. So in Iran, if you would, I don't know, hopefully now it's better. I don't know. I haven't been back in so long, but mm. in the past, you know, you'd go to a doctor and be like, I'm feeling depressed. And they'd be like, about what? It's always about what, you know, there mm. has to be a reason. It's like, there has to be some big life event that happened, loss or whatever that would warrant uh, a justifiable depression. And it's like, that's not, that's not how depression works though. It's like, you could seemingly yeah. from the outside have a perfect life, which I feel like I do in so many ways and still feel inadequate or incapable or not strong enough, or you don't deserve it. That's a big one for me is like, I don't deserve this. You know, what did I do? Why, why me in, in the best way possible is like, and not, why not other people, you know, but that's, um, yeah, that's sort of how it looks like for, for me. And it's always changing too. I've noticed, and I've been lucky that lately because I've been staying busy, I haven't had time to, 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 you know, sit in it, which is maybe not great. You should always sit in the emotions, but you know, I, I've been happy. So that's great. That's really what it is. Well, it's an ever evolving journey and I think yes. you can look differently. And I love that you bring that to light. Cause I think that's sort of what my depression has looked like in the past has really been go, go, go. And then when I had two days to sort of go inward, I went in and I went in hard, you know, and it was the same thing. It was rest until I couldn't rest anymore. And, you know, until a call, she got shoved in my face again and I had to go, you know, and I think that sometimes it can be that reset and you can start to get used to those spurts of depression because you're so used to knowing, okay, when I've got those two days off, I'm probably going to go to that place, but it's then about managing how you walk alongside it and what's going to work to be able to say, all right, when I feel this coming on, what do I do now? before it gets to a place of, you know, three days in bed, not wanting to see anyone. And how do I get out? You know, um, anxiety, it's such a, it's such a silly word. I mean, I woke up this morning with anxiety. I even, I'm like, thank God for my mother. My my mother's all up on those memes. She, she posted something on her story today about what happens when you wake up with anxiety. And I was like, is my phone listening to me? I was like, listening inside my head. I was like, I was like, what? How did this just happen? Um, But it it comes to a place, I think when I wake up with that feeling and it can't sleep because of the feeling um, is more of a place of, I have to accept. There's just no way around it. You know, I just have to sit in a place of, I'm going to feel this way. And if I start to accept feeling this way, then I'll be able to conquer whatever comes at me. What do you feel on those days, especially because you do have grueling hours right now? And if you have a day that's that you're on set feeling that way, you still have to show up and you still have to show out. So what what happens or what helps you? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, those days, it's usually days where I know I have a lot of goals that I want to achieve. Um, and for me, it's just like taking it literally minute by minute. I just think about, okay, what do I need to do now? Don't think about later in the day or how, you know, this person, how you feel about this person or that person, or how's your mom doing, you know, cause that's the thing is I feel like I'm, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. That's where my anxiety comes from. I think is like, 
I'm not doing enough for all the Mm. people in my life and for myself. And I need to, you know, and then it's this vicious cycle of like negative self-talk and, um, and, you know, and that's what's, what's tough. So days where I wake up with anxiety, God, that's the worst I've been. So I've been doing this, like just breathing in the morning has really been helpful. Just like one to three minutes of just deep breathing. It's not even, I wouldn't even call it meditation, um, but it, it is in a form. And, um, I've noticed that these are new tools. This is before I just wake up with anxiety and go about my day and just be like, I'm anxious and I feel crazy. And, you know, maybe like have a drink or, 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 or smoke weed or something to sort of calm myself down using yeah. outside, you know? Yeah. Um, but you can't do that and then have a day, you know what I mean? So it's, you have to find <laughs> ways. Choosing it. I'm going to go do that and I'm out or I'm yeah. going to do this and I'm up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's the end of your day if you start that way. So, so I've been trying to like, you know, moving my body for at least 30 minutes, the breathing and um, being grateful and just like waking up, just remembering like how I, I got here, you know, five mm-hmm. years ago, if that medallion saw me today, so she proud. would just be like, what, how did you do that? You know? So I just have to remember that and keep, keep checking in with that medallion. Who's like, girl, you're doing great. Like, you know, one step at a time, you're still young. There's time, enjoy life, you know? Well, I have to say, I'm very proud of you. I'm so unbelievably proud of you. I'm so, I'm so proud, proud of, of you. you are. I mean, I've always, always been in awe of you. Always. From the moment that I've met you, I've always been in awe of you because as much as you think that you had those insecurities, girl, you led the pack. You were beautiful in your own right. And you were creative as creative can be. And sometimes that is what shines through somebody is when they're passionate about something. And I don't mean just creative in the form of the like theater or acting. I mean, just creative. You're a creative woman at your heart, at your core. You express that in every aspect of your life. And that's a beautiful, beautiful quality with that quality comes the feels. And we all know that, like, you know, and that's, it's it's a, it's a, a, I, I always say, the universe put me on this planet to be a storyteller through the pain that I've endured. And I am okay with that. You know, I am okay with that. I wouldn't change anything. (laughs) Ayahuasca, throw that away. We ain't changing shit about me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we tap into some questions and make you you, because we don't have much more time, I just want to go really quickly into Fatima because your character, obviously, to me, it symbolizes so much for women and female empowerment. And to be able to see people represented on TV and film in a hijab and understanding what that truly means, how it's not a political statement, it's just a true form of who they are. So is there something that we can kind of leave the listeners, a tip or a tool of having people understand maybe one of the myths 
misunderstood things about Muslim women in general to kind of open up the doors for more welcomed settings in all aspects of life. Absolutely. I think, so something I've been really thinking about lately is what does a Muslim person look like? And, Mm. you know, I think the hijab is a great way to outwardly show that, which is why, you know, that's why a lot of women cover themselves who are Muslim because that is their way of showing the world and God, like, this is my relationship with my faith and it's right here and it's not changing, you know? And I think that is so beautiful and so empowering for them. But I also want to get, I also want to break out of this mold that Muslim women do have to look a certain way or act a certain way. It's you can be a person of faith, but also, you know, be curious and be, um, be a little, you know, you don't have to cover yourself as in, you can be Muslim, a Muslim woman and not cover yourself. There's just so many different colors between that spectrum that I feel like I'm hoping more storytellers, including myself will, you know, put a flashlight on or, um, bring light to is that faith and culture and identity can look like whatever you want them to. It doesn't have to, to, you don't have to make it easier for the palette of the, of the, you know, whoever, a male gaze, Western gaze, whatever it is, you know, it's yeah. just, you should just do you. Well, I think it's beautiful. I think that it's very much needed and you do a wonderful job of being able to tell her story. And when I say her story, I mean, there's so many different stories for every single Muslim woman. And I think that's the beauty of what you're trying to project is that every single person has their own story with their religion and their belief system towards it. Um, And the more and more stories that can come out, the better. So thank you for all the work that you do on screen and obviously off screen. We're going to close this off with a couple questions that make you, you. So one of the questions I ask everybody is we so often obviously talk about building your personalized toolbox to lend to our emotional journey. And what specific tool served you the last time you had a flare up or just a challenging moment? Last time I probably experienced like an anxiety attack, um, a big thing that helped was, was, um, honestly reaching out, was Mm -hmm. reaching out to someone I felt comfortable with and safe with and, and just talking about it. You know, I think it is so important for people to, to talk about their struggles and be open about their mental health and, and share it because, so many of us are experiencing it and yet everybody from the outside seems like they're doing fine, but really everybody is struggling. And I think that is so important to remember is I am not alone in this, you know, and, and that we as a collective community are all feeling, especially right now. So I think that is such a comforting thought. Amen, sister. And then lastly, what are the three biggest lessons that you've learned in your life? These can be words, feelings, sayings, whatever authentically comes to your mind. You don't owe anyone anything. I think that's so important is you don't owe anyone your time. You don't owe anyone an explanation. You don't owe anyone anything is one big one. I think that I'm, I tell myself every day as well. Um, and that you deserve to be in the room 
wherever you are, you deserve to be there. You're meant to be there. You worked hard to get there. And it's okay to have confidence about that and self-assurance and pride. I think that those are a big part of being a healthy individual. Well, you're wonderful. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for sharing your vulnerability, your insight, your love, all of the above. And if anybody is looking to obviously continue the conversation with this gorgeous human being, you can go over and connect with Medallion. You can find her on her socials at medallion underscore R. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And if you're looking to continue the conversation around living an unapologetically authentic lifestyle, then this podcast is just for you. Our goal is to build a community in which you feel empowered to celebrate you by hearing inspiring stories to ownership to self, to always remember to leave with the three M's, that's mindfulness, movement, and mental engagement. You've got this and we're here to support you along the way. So be sure to subscribe and download so you don't miss an episode. It's okay to not be okay in your journey to become grounded in the power of you. Some of the topics we discussed today may have been triggering. If you're in need to speak to a crisis counselor, please text home to 741-741 or head over to projecthealthyminds.com slash partnerships slash Haley for curated resources ready to hear from you. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Haley Hasselhoff, Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horenigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. This podcast has been produced by Stage 29 Productions for entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast does not constitute medical or professional advice. Do not reflect the opinions of this company, any of its parent companies, affiliates, subsidiaries, promotional sponsors, or advertising agencies. The views expressed by the host and the guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. For more information, please go to stage29.tv.